This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. General Motors released its 10th annual sustainability report, and here are some of the highlights. While the pandemic caused it to temporarily suspend operations, there's been no delay in its electric vehicle development, and the company is on track to introduce them as scheduled. GM's going to spend $20 billion over the next five years to develop those electric cars and autonomous vehicles. It's committed to sourcing 100% of its electricity from renewable sources in the U.S. by 2030 and globally by 2040, a full decade earlier than it previously announced. And it's increasing its efforts to 100% recycle end-of-life EV batteries, and it wants all of its vehicles to be made from at least 50% sustainable materials by 2030. GM says it's also committed to being the most inclusive company in the world and building a culture within the company that's both safe and equitable. Oliver Schmidt, the Volkswagen executive who was arrested by the U.S. Justice Department for his role in the Dieselgate emissions scandal, is going to finish the final two years of his prison sentence in Germany. Schmidt was sentenced to seven years in prison and has been incarcerated at a federal prison in Milan, Michigan. Oliver was a guest on Autoline After Hours several times before the scandal broke. And our own John McElroy, along with Brett Smith from the Center for Automotive Research, have visited Oliver several times in prison. He's going to have a lot to say about what happened inside Volkswagen once his prison term is over. Meanwhile, Axel Iser, the former head of engineering at Audi, could be extradited to the U.S. to stand trial. American authorities are also interested in going after Martin Winterkorn, the former CEO of Volkswagen. Henrik Fisker wants to build his electric cars using Volkswagen's MEB platform and batteries. He's already unveiled several concept models, including the E-Motion, a four-door luxury sedan with a target price of $130,000, and he's shown the Ocean, which he calls a luxury SUV, but supposedly will start under thirty dollars Moreover, he's doing a reverse merger like Nikola did, so his company can be listed on a stock exchange where he hopes to raise a billion dollars. Here's our Autoline Insight. We think it's going to be very difficult for Fisker to pull this off. Remember, three years ago, he claimed to have a breakthrough with solid-state batteries that would deliver a 500-mile range and could be recharged in just one minute. But now he's going with VW. That means all he's going to offer is a Volkswagen with his own body on it. As we've pointed out before, Startups don't survive unless they bring new technology or different processes to the auto industry. And from the looks of it, Fisker isn't doing either. Engineer from anywhere. Perform tests from your office, lab, or living room. OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing, we have you covered. Our hardware and software is trusted all over the world. Global company headquartered in Troy, Michigan. Intrepid Control Systems. The Ford Bronco made its highly anticipated return earlier this week. The company stopped producing the SUV back in 1996. And on Autoline this week, Mark Gruber the head of marketing of the Ford Bronco, discuss why Ford decided to revive the nameplate. 
There's actually, I would say, since probably uh, the late 90s, there's been a lot of attempts uh, inside of Ford to bring Bronco back. Uh, there's been some actual programs that, you know, went uh, fairly far during the development process. And for, for different reasons, they, uh, they didn't make it uh, to market. So there's been a lot of effort over a couple decades to bring Bronco back. And this effort started about five years ago. And uh, I think the key enabler was uh, when Ford decided to move focus out of Michigan assembly plant, uh, needed a couple products to fill up the plant. Uh, we wanted to bring the Ranger back on the T6 platform uh, and put that into Michigan. And the request was, what else are we going to put in the Michigan assembly plant uh, and it needs to be a body on frame. And that was kind of the moment that uh, so many enthusiasts and people with, within Ford had been waiting for that, hey, we had a plant, we had the platform, we had the capacity. And so at that point, we just had to put together the, the plan to bring uh, Bronco back that people have been literally begging for for decades. If you'd like to learn more about the new Bronco, you can watch that show right now on our website or YouTube channel. And speaking of the Bronco, while it's obvious that the SUV is aimed directly at Jeep, Ford doesn't want to be associated with its rival in any way. So it asked Goodyear to remove the Wrangler name from its popular off-road tires for the new Bronco. The Wrangler name will now be on the inboard side of the tire instead of the outboard side. While it is a bit weird, it's kind of understandable Ford wouldn't want its rival's name anywhere on the Bronco. Traditional automakers have lagged behind in offering over-the-air update capabilities, but we are starting to see more catch up, including GM, Ford, and BMW. And Volkswagen is following the same path with its new car software organization, which will be tasked with developing a new automotive operating system for the group. The system will combine a completely new electronics architecture with an automotive data cloud. The idea is to have common software for all of VW's brands and the markets they're offered in. It's a huge task, and VW says it's going to invest 7 billion euro by 2025 to make it happen. The first vehicle to use the new system will be an EV from Audi, quote, in a few years, and by 2025, all new models will use it. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires, your journey, our passion, and by Intrepid Control Systems, over-the-air engineering, boost your game. Fear of getting the coronavirus has caused ride-sharing rides to fall off a cliff. So Lyft is going to give drivers partitions to put between them and passengers for better virus protection. But Lyft will only provide them to 60,000 of its most active drivers. For $50, any other driver can purchase the partitions, which are made from a polycarbonate material, will fit a wide range of vehicles and can be installed by one person. We just had the pleasure of having a Volkswagen Tiguan in the Autoline garage, and we were able to test drive the absolute top-of-the-line model, the SEL Premium R-Line. Let me translate. That means you get a Tiguan with every conceivable option that's available, and the price reflects it. The one we drove cost more than $40,400, and just to give you an idea of how much of a markup that represents, a base Tiguan starts at 25 grand. There isn't anything that's particularly outstanding about the Tiguan. It's just that the total package is very well executed. 
The styling is quite conservative, both inside and out, but it's the kind of design that can age well. As with most of these midsize CUVs, it's easy to get in and out of. There's plenty of room inside for most people, and there's a ton of luggage space in the back, even with the rear seats up. Personally, I'd like more power. Its 2-liter turbo produces 184 horsepower and 221 pound-feet of torque, which is sort of okay. But it has to propel over 3,800 pounds of mass. That translates to 21 pounds per horsepower, which generally makes a vehicle feel pretty pokey. And it helps explain why this all-wheel drive model is rated at only 23 miles to the gallon. That is substantially below its competitors, such as the Toyota RAV4, Honda CRV, and Ford Escape. But thanks to good gearing and max torque that comes on at only 1600 RPM, the Tiguan feels reasonably responsive. It also has that feeling of solidity, firm ride, and precise steering that attracts so many customers to the Volkswagen brand. From that standpoint, Volkswagen really nailed it with the Tiguan. It's the best-selling VW in the American market, easily outselling the Jetta, which used to be Volkswagen's bestseller. And before we go, let's reveal the barn find from yesterday. There were a lot of right answers, which we expected, but Nick Thomas provided some great insight, so we're going to read his comment. He says, Okay, this is actually tougher than it seems, Sean. It's clearly a Chevy P30 step van, but is it a 1968 or a 1986? This thing made almost no changes in its existence, but let's try and narrow it down. That said, I'm fairly confident it is a 1970s model, specifically a 1971 Chevy P30 step van. The giveaway? About the only thing that changed in 30 some odd years, the badge design in the front of the doors. We love that answer, Nick. Thank you. But that's it for today's show. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.